Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From the Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network and wherever podcasts may be found. Now coming up to the Beat Poetry Corner, Writer's Bagel Basket. Thank you. Thank you. Surf Dudes with Attitude. Kind of groovy. Laid back mood. Sky above, sand below. Good vibrations. Feeling mellow. Won't give it up. Don't want to stop. Don't wake me up. Don't wake me up if I'm dreaming. California Dreams is in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Yes, it was very exciting. Tomorrow we go to the zoo. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so... We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kerland, and... We are talking about the California Dreams episode, Harley and the Marlboro Man. And my guest is a return guest who was supposed to be in the bagel basket, but I didn't feel like having him drive all the way here um, just for little old me. He is a returning guest. If you liked the Moulin Rouge episode, Mr. Christopher Brown. Hello. It's good to be back. (laughs) And um, I gave you a few options. Um, of everything we actually covered this month, I gave you the option of Say by the Bell Hawaiian Style and California Dreams. <laughs> you picked California Dreams. <laughs> well, Hawaiian Style, it's like... <sighs> so have you read the book um, Save the Cat by Blake Snyder? No. It's, uh, it's an excellent book on screenwriting. Like It's a little bit dated in terms of like his views on... like uh, It comes across a little sexist at times, and he comes across as like a money-hungry, like, like insane person. But basically, he's a dude that wrote Blank Check. Like He wrote that script, and he oh. wrote this book on screenwriting. And it's actually like a phenomenal book. Like In terms of screenwriting advice, it's amazing. And uh, I've been reading it for... Well, or, well, I read it like last month, and... When you suggested the topic of Say by the Bell Hawaiian style to me, it's like, this is going to fly against everything I'm reading right now, and I will retain nothing from this book if I watch this goddamn film. Well, it's only on Hulu, and you have to watch it in parts. <laughs> so it's like watching four Say by the Bell episodes. Yeah, because that's how they would usually... I don't think I ever saw it uh, in its entirety. I think I saw it on like four consecutive afternoons after school, like 
I'd sit through the Disney afternoon patiently waiting for uh, the resolution to see what would happen with Kelly's uncle or whatever the hell it was. Kelly's grandfather, played by Dean Jones. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, it, actually, you, you know what? I, I haven't seen that since I was a child, so I, it, it's been a long time for me. But the dude who welcomes them with the ukulele, is that the Somewhere Over the Rainbow guy? No, that's Dean Jones. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay, in my mind, it was a large Hawaiian fella. Um, I, my, my memory does, does not exist. I think you're thinking of Shallow Hal. <laughs> I am not thinking of Shallow Hal, but I, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, the, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, I mean, I remember it clearly. It's Dean Jones because then the love bug shows up and Buddy Hackett comes out and he's like, whoa, wacky, wacky, wacky. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I am, I am 100% remembering all of it, except instead of Dean Jones, I am remembering a, a large Hawaiian fella. Because that is clearly Kelly's grandpa, a large Hawaiian man. <laughs> It, that's that's pretty good. Um, I, I'm happy with that. I mean, I probably still know some math as a result of not retaining that little bit of knowledge. Um, so why don't you give us a quick TV guide synopsis of what the episode was that we saw? What would it say in TV guide of California okay, Dreams? So, so TV guide, they're going to give it maybe two sentences as a description. So I'm going to have to be pretty succinct about this, which is really difficult because there are exactly two plots happening in this episode. Um, one is that Jake, um, who looks out and out like a scumbag, just going to want to get that out right off the bat. So TV guide's going to let us know about this because that's that's what they do. They, they're really good like that. Uh, they would say, Jake, who looks like a scumbag, uh, starts smoking because his quote-unquote cool uncle does. Meanwhile, the rest of the gang is engaging in a classic found money B-plot. That's correct. Um, also, <laughs> Jake is obsessed with his uncle, who is played by Eddie Mecca, the big ragu from Laverne and Shirley, who is playing Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> yes. I, I, I referred to, <laughs> in my notes, I referred to him as Uncle Stereotype. Well, I love when he comes in right away and he just starts going. <coughs> so, you know. That oh, yeah, yeah. My my uh, my third note in here, uh, just third to uh, <laughs> Uncle Italian stereotype was uh, Chekhov's cough. Because it was just so goddamn apparent right from the beginning what they were going for. You, you didn't need a crystal ball to see this. You just needed to find the laziest screenwriter on NBC's payroll. Well, OK, so is it pronounced Peter Engel or Peter Angel? Engel. That's what I thought, because I was watching um, uh, Dashiell Driscoll, who does Zach Morris's trash, got to go to the yeah. Max pop-up restaurant, and um, the girl who was with him clearly has never seen any Say by the Bell, and she kept calling him Peter Angel, and he did not correct her. <laughs> I would probably go with that in that situation, though. Like, I mean, granted, my name's hard to mess up. So if someone messes it up, like, obviously, they have bigger fish to fry in their life. But yeah, no, I mean, if someone's saying the wrong thing, let them, let them do it. They always It'll say be more fun for everyone. They always say Scott Kirkland for me. There's no. Yeah, I could see that. There's no I and there's no extra K. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, in my case, people just usually make domestic abuse jokes, which is you know, obviously hysterical. Um Especially, you know, the thousandth time that uh, someone makes a horrible, horrible joke to me because of my name, which I was born with and uh, can't do anything about unless I legally change it, which I'm not going to. I didn't do that. I just handed you a thing of Wrigley's gum. 
<laughs> for a while, I actually um, I had a I had a little routine going where if anyone upon meeting me, their opening volley was to was to make a Chris Brown joke, uh, I would just be like, "Oh, okay, cool. So you're a cunt." And uh, that's how I would deal with them from that point on. I would physically, I would literally say that phrase to them. And it's just like, all right, cool. You're not worth my time. So I'm going to let you know that right now. <laughs> I feel bad for the kid who's also named Christopher Grace. And then he's <laughs> Topher Grace. Yeah, I could see that. Although there aren't a lot of Tophers out there. Grace really has the monopoly on that one, as far as I know. See, you should have just taken it one step forward and been like you know i don't pronounce it christopher my name is christopher and i don't like being called chris i like being called christ or like uh chris nova Selleck used to do from nirvana and just pronounce it christ but with a clear t at the end um man we really don't want to talk about this episode <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> okay so um I remember when we were like going deep down the rabbit hole with this, I sent you a video from the late show with or the late, late show with Jimmy Fallon or the late show, whatever late night with Jimmy Fallon, whatever he stole from Conan O'Brien. Um, and yeah. he, one year he tried to get all of the say by the bell cast on and it was like impossible. <laughs> then like, I guess he made like two phone calls and he got all of the California dreams. <laughs> Yeah, that's not too too surprising for me, because um, uh, like the uh, the the big holdout from say by the bell, I'd have to assume would be Dustin Diamond. I think um, Lark Voorhees was a problem too. Oh, really? That's that's surprising to me because um, California Dreams have a religious uh, member as well, and uh, she was more than willing to partake in like the both the reunion and as well as subsequent performances that they did at that Max pop up and things like that. Well, this was. Um because of Lark Voorhees was she just had her botched um surgery. Oh god, okay. Yeah. Um but I remember like all of the California dreams came out, even the first two who got can't like got killed off in parentheses in the first like two seasons. There was um Matt and his yeah, sister. The family. Cause I remember the sister yep. was like, she's going to college. Well, and don't forget, don't forget the parents too, because they were uh, they were written right out pretty quick too. Oh, and their little brother. Yes, who was played by someone named uh, Ryan O'Neill, uh, but not that Ryan O'Neill, which would have been so much better. <laughs> if Paper Moonstar Ryan O'Neill just showed up as like wearing a backwards baseball cap and short shorts, I demand satisfaction. <laughs> hey, dudes, want a Bible? <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, yeah, so their screech was like, so the point of having a screech is you have like this unfuckable guy who is like so gross and so disgusting and such a dweeb, but their um, screech was Sly Wingle, who was this beautiful man, <laughs> who was this very handsome dude. So, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that he's like a normal looking dude. But um, they make him a really uh, vile human being. Like, he is the kind of person that uh, I think they were actually a little bit prescient in showing, like, teaching women or young girls who were watching the show at the time, like, ladies in the future, this is exactly the kind of man that you want to avoid because he is bad news. But they reward him at the end. He ends up with Lorena. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't say I, I don't agree with that, but that's <laughs> that's the way a writer took well, it. Well, <laughs> like his type of bad guy is like he is as much of a creep as Schemer from Shining Time Station was a creep. <laughs> <laughs> I would say he's a little bit more lascivious than that um, within the confines of what NBC Saturday morning would allow. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's not too far off. But like they all showed up on Jimmy Fallon and they all had careers. Not really. They don't. Their lives were incredibly sad. The guy who played Jake, who is our main character, uh, is now a man living in Australia praying that his TV show got picked up. That's yeah, that's that's a little on the sad side, I would say. <laughs> and uh, Michael Cade, uh, who played Sly, was like, oh, I have a lot of things in the works. I'm making a movie with uh, French Stewart. Oh, you poor man. Yeah, that's not like a uh, I mean, good on him. He's he's out there. He's hustling. You know, I mean, who are we to take that away from him? So which one is the religious one? The one who played Julie? Uh, no, it's uh, Kelly Packard who played uh, Tiff. Oh, wait. You're telling me that Baywatch star Kelly Packard is <laughs> super religious? Yeah, so I saw uh, in here, and, and I, I don't mean any of this in a disparaging way. It was just sort of interesting because I heard a new term that I'd never heard before. Um, that she joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as a teenager. And in 1997, which is probably when she was on Baywatch, right? In mm -hmm. around there? Oh, yeah. Uh, she, she married and was sealed to Darren Previtt, an emergency medicine physician. So I'd never heard the term sealed before, but apparently that's just like um, LDS marriage. But hey, I learned a new term today. <laughs> so she's a Mormon? Thanks, California Dreams. Yeah, apparently. So, But um, yeah, you, you can thank California Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the only person who's actually still really famous is Jenny Kwan, who played Sam. She's a, a voiceover actress. She is on Avatar The Last Airbender. She does a whole bunch of anime. She is the only one who still has like a career in the industry. Well, and you can't forget her key television role uh, on an episode of The New Girl as uh, Boat Woman. Oh, I, I do not remember that. I've never actually watched New Girl, but uh, I have Wikipedia up here. Well, all I could think of is when they were going through where they are now is that episode of The Simpsons when Homer's trying to prove to Lisa that not all of The Simpsons are like grow up to be trash. And like there there's a man who's a grifter and another one <laughs> who uh, is basically a nudge. <laughs> and that's all I could think of is like, oh, yes, I used to be on California Dreams and now I'm a music teacher. Um, my favorite was when they talked to Julie, who was only in, what, the first season? Yes, maybe an episode or two in the second one. Because they, they, they got the garrisons out of there pretty quick. Except Matt stayed up until season three. Yes, but he was replaced. Was he, re he? Oh, no, he was replaced by... Um... Jake. Oh, wait, yeah, no, Mark, slowly... Mark Winkle re replaced him. Yeah, because I was going to say, uh, Jake kind of took over his role, but then, uh, yeah, he was replaced by, uh, Sly's by cousin. Uh, Winkle. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sly's cousin. That's that's such a great early 90s, late 80s trope of, like, we need a new character. All right, well, fill in the blank has a cousin, well, and this person just enters from God knows where. Well, on Saved by the Bell, the new class, he got, uh, Brian got a stepbrother. And that's how they did that. That's how they retconned that. 
I see. <laughs> um, but I loved in this episode, it opens up with Jake working on his motorcycle and you can tell it's fake because the muffler that he took off basically is made of tinfoil. Actually, I was uh, I was watching a playthrough of a game last night called um, Jalopy uh, that was just released for uh, whatever systems, whatever. And like, it, honestly, it reminded me a lot of that, like where you're putting together this like crudely drawn animated engine. Uh, that's what it kind of looked like he was doing there, except it was like with a real world set that didn't look. I mean, if anyone was of the belief that this is a real motorcycle, they could not have thought that that engine looked safe. Well, did the. Uh... <laughs> Did the garage look familiar to you at all? Yes. Was it the garage where Zack Attack practiced? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. They literally just moved the door to the other side. Well, I do appreciate that uh, that the dreams, I feel like we're comfortable enough with the topic now to just call them the dreams. Uh, the CDs. That the dreams practiced. Yeah, the CDs. The CDs played in a different space entirely, so they didn't like completely recycle it. Uh, they're at least prescient enough to know, like, uh, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta have a second location here. Yeah, their practice space is in Lorena's beach house, I guess. So Sly is their manager, but Lorena is their agent. Oh, so it's like a real entourage sort of situation there. Okay. And then basically they end up getting together. But in this season, she's with Jake, and he uh, treats her like garbage. He treats her like she is yeah. a piece of meat. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, she is certainly better than him. She's better than Sly too. Like she, honestly, she should just. She you should, should be just with Mark. With, uh... Yeah, Mark is fine. Mark seems like a good dude. Because Tony, and, uh... Tony's with. Or, it's Tony, right? Tony or Tommy? Tony. Tony is with Samantha Wu. Oh, I didn't realize that. Just off of uh, off of this. Yeah, those two were together. Kelly Packard is forever alone. Well, she's never alone because she always has Christ on her side. <laughs> well, she was with Jake off and on, too. Yeah, but she was also with Matt off and on. Okay. Yeah. It, it This show is basically very, very uh, promiscuous. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's no worse than, like, Saved by the Bell or something like that. They had to make, like, Zach ended up, making out with at least everyone in the cast, right? Yes, he did. We talked about it in the Save by the Bell episode because in Snow White and the Seven Dorks, he kisses Jesse. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, because he kissed Jesse and then they kissed again to see if it was love. And guess what? It wasn't. Uh, when did he kiss Lisa? That episode where she is a fashion designer and she's trying to get into fashion school and they have a, a runway you know, model type of Got fashion yeah, show. Yeah. And yeah. Screech just turns into a total douchebag. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When, uh, when you first said, uh, she was trying to get into school, all I could think about was that episode with, um, where they randomly had that actor friend. Um, I can't remember the character's name for the life of me, but the one who ended up pretending to be a representative from Harvard. Oh, uh, James. James. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> I'm from Harvard. There is only one Harvard. <laughs> oh, God, we really don't want to talk about this show. Well, it's just the worst. I, I remember this episode being just so, like, by the numbers, like, oh, he's going to smoke a cigarette, but Uncle Exposition has uh, exposition cancer. <laughs> so one thing I will say is one of the first things I noted on this, or the first thing I noted on this, 
and it was one of the first lines of the episode. It just struck me as so odd because it's clearly meant to be a joke, but I just I don't get it. And this is not the kind of show that should tell that kind of joke. Like, uh, all right, so here's what happens. Basically, the whole gang gathers as Jake is working on his motorcycle, and they're all excited to go to the beach. So they're telling him to come along. And he keeps saying, no, 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 the motorcycle competition is coming up. I want to win first prize. So Tiffany says, all everyone cares about is winning. And then Jake responds with, you're right, Tiff. And that's exactly what I plan to say to the losers when I rub my first place trophy in their faces. That's not a joke. That's not a joke. And it's clearly meant to be. There was a laugh track behind it. And it's like, I, I don't understand how that is supposed to be funny. Like, where is the classic joke structure of that? They also do the classic joke structure of a metal detector. I don't know what it was with the 90s, but if anything, that metal detector would give them cancer more than the cigarettes would give Uncle uh, Big Ragu. <laughs> that, it's pretty good for Sly, though. Um, I'll, I'll give the writers credit for that because that is exactly the kind of shenanigans uh, that kind of asshole would be up to in 1994. <laughs> don't you ever knock? Who would let me in? <laughs> Check it out, Jake. I'm going to make a fortune on the beach with my new metal detector. If you don't knock it off, you're going to be using that to detect the metal plate in your head. I don't have a metal plate in my head. Oh, but you will. You will. Uh, and then I'm going to tell everyone, you know, just the babes, that I am a female body inspector because I work for the FBI, wink. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely the kind of person that if, um, if he was in real life, he would be wearing like Big Johnson and co-ed naked shirts at the time. Well, also, the way we would meet him is he would be <laughs> knocking on our door to let us know that he's a sex offender and he's living in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, I, I got to reiterate once again for a second that um, Jake really looks like a scumbag. Okay, like, so yeah, as you were saying that, he looks exactly like the bizarro version of Matt. Like Matt was this, they both have like the same facial features. They both have the same haircut. But his was just a little more greasy. If Matt put a little more product... Yeah, Jake basically looks like Matt if Matt discovered Mike Patton and was like, oh, that's a guy I want to look like. He looks like if uh, Matt discovered black tar heroin. <laughs> <laughs> or even worse, cigarettes. Yeah, I love how they make such a big deal. And... Uh, I think I think it was Samantha. Sam says uh, cigarettes are more addictive than uh, crystal meth and crack cocaine. <laughs> and I was just waiting for a slide to be like, hey, why, why don't you just do crack cocaine? <laughs> God, imagine if it was that tone deaf where they were just like, guys, it doesn't matter what else we get the kids hooked on just as long as they're not smoking. Well, when we talked about the no hope with dope episode of Saved by the Bell, uh, uh, yeah. I was like, yeah, they made a big deal about marijuana, but this was an eight, a 90s party. There would have been tons of cocaine. Yeah, I feel like that party specifically would have been fueled by cocaine. Uh, that would not have been a marijuana party. Um, Los, Los Angeles, early 90s, you have a famous actor hanging out with a bunch of rich people. Yeah, they're doing blow. They're not, they're not sitting around like eating McDonald's and like fucking smoking weed. Where this was like, instead of cigarettes, he should have been, I don't know, addicted to crack or or heroin <laughs> they never wanted to go that dark could you imagine though if it went that dark within the course of a 22 minute episode and like righted itself in that time as well so like 
by, 28 days by later. By commercial break two. <laughs> yeah. By commercial break two. Like, he's on the street and, like, missing teeth. And by the end of it, like, he's just back in the band singing the same exact song that he sang at the end of this episode. I wish that they ended every episode. I wish the song was just the theme of the show every episode. (laughs) (laughs) It would be great, too, if, like, it was mostly exactly the same, but they changed, like, a line in the chorus or something. (laughs) Don't wake me up, because my uncle died. He smoked those cigs. You know, one thing I will say, though, uh, Tough Love, which is, uh, I believe, the title of the song at the end of the episode, that wasn't a bad song. Like, uh, it's not great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But it could have been, like, it was a perfectly passable early 90s song. So it was a little dated at the time that it was released already. But it was, like, it was no worse than that song from The Heights that, uh, uh, how do I talk to an, or how do you talk to an angel? Do you remember that track? No. It was no worse than that. Oh, yeah, that's that's a classic. classic. I, I just picture this, like, first off, you had a very Statler and Waldorf moment. It wasn't half bad. It wasn't half good either. <laughs> You're right. It was all bad. Um, I just love how at the end of him singing that song, he just looks up really sad and wistful. Everyone else is smiling, and he's just miserable the whole song because Uncle Big Ragu is dying. Yeah, he's not dead yet, though. I mean, don't mourn the living. Very important lesson. Well, another thing about getting Eddie Mecca, what what would have been great if, is if they just ended the episode being like, yeah, and now your your aunt wants to talk to you about what's going to happen and making arrangements, and then Cindy Williams walks in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been very good. I mean, just tie it all in with his entire career. And your nope. other aunt, Laverne, is coming in, too. Hey, guys, what's going on? Oh, and look, Lenny and Squiggy made it as well. Oh, hello, Uncle Big Ragu. Hello, Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty incredible, because uh, Laverne and Shirley are in the Tommy Westfall universe, correct? Yes. Yeah, so that would, <laughs> that would lump California Dreams in there as well, which could have some pretty fun implications. Yeah, because it's uh, Happy Days... Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, Saint Elsewhere, oh, yeah, yeah. No, Hill Street that's, Blues. That's right. Laverne and Shirley is like first degree. Anything Stephen Botchko did. <laughs> so that means, oh my God, that that means that NYPD Blue and Franklin and Bash. Well, we knew this day would come. I was just thinking uh, about the the Mrs. Doubtfire stunt that uh, Sly was pulling when he was trying to retrieve the $500. So we should probably mention that uh, when Sly was off with his metal detector, he actually happened to find this strange box. Well, okay. Uh, it they, was a really he found it box. because they buried him in the sand. Oh, okay. So he didn't find it with that. I, I missed that. The joke was... Right, so anyway, yeah, he, he's not even using the damn uh, metal detector, but he finds this really strange box that kind of reminds me of like like a riddle box, like from like uh, uh, Hellraiser or something like that. But it just opens right up and there's $500 in it. So the gang are all trying to figure out what to do with it. 
And uh, as they're trying to do this, Sly is trying to connive ways that he can just get the money himself. So he decides at one point that the best way to do this is to Mrs. Doubtfire the situation and to approach the gang as an elderly lady. Um, and what was uh, what was her husband? She had a comment about her husband. What are you waiting for? Give me the box. I'm late for bingo. <laughs> Not so fast, lady. How do we know it's really yours? You found it in the sand. You see, my husband Stanley did it. He sometimes thinks he's a dog and buries things. Ta-ta! Uh, all right, hold it, Sylvester. We know it's you. Anna Sylvester, I'm Edna! Uh, my husband thinks he's a dog, I believe was her comment. Or his comment. As, her, uh, as for the explanation as to why the money was buried, and it was just... Between that and then uh, Tiff standing up and popping the boobs with a thumbtack that she got from somewhere, uh, it, was it was just a fork. It was nuts. Oh, it was a fork. Okay, yeah, it was just absolutely bananas. Like it was just such a weird scene and something that could only have happened in this kind of show. Well, not just that. It was his next scheme is to steal the money with Mark's help to make t-shirts. Oh yeah, the t-shirt sales scam. For they literally just take the counting crows oh i'm sorry you mean counting toes right so yes. so i'm guessing that the counting toes were on tour with the lulu dolls and uh um and plate walla what's incredible about this is based on the timing this had to be when counting crows were like just riding on mr jones and right like, here. This was not long December and like they had another album to prove that they were actually going to be around for a little bit. Like this is like they were brand new. Well, and so, so yeah, it was it was not just Mr. Jones. The only two songs that anyone knew from them were Mr. Jones and Round Here because they went Oh yeah, yeah. They went on SNL without an album. They hadn't even cut an album yet. Um Lauren Michaels just heard them one day when he was at like Columbia, he was like, Oh, I like that band. Um, oh, Jesus. Uh, Counting toes. Is that the name? Yeah, pretty much. And, and they, they performed around here and that's how their album got like really big because they're like, Oh yeah, they don't even have an album yet. So, uh, check back in March. That's insane. I did not realize that. That's, that's pretty cool though. Yeah. So basically the counting toes, were the big band. Why couldn't they just say Counting Crows? Because on Full House, they said Counting Crows. And on um, Saved by the Bell, they referenced U2 a couple times. Yeah. Uh, the All in the Mall episode, and then um, well, yeah. it, in the rockumentary, they referenced Madonna and Michael Jackson. Yeah, and actually, this is just another weird cultural uh, reference that they make, but they frequently refer to women that they find unattractive as looking like Bart Simpson, which is really odd to me. Well, they in this episode, didn't they refer to a girl as a Bow Wow? <laughs> that sounds about right. I don't know why what they have a problem with little Bow Wow, but I just don't think that's right. Yeah, no, I mean, first off, he's, he's just Bow Wow now, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, they should, they should leave him out of this. I wish he changed his name to Older Bow Wow. <laughs> Close to death Bow Wow. Uh, so what bummed me out a little bit about uh, about our boy Mark at one point 
was that when Sly finally convinced him to do the t-shirt uh, sales scam, which disappointed me that Mark would be naive enough to go along with that to begin with, but Mark handed him the money and then slammed his locker shut, but his locker bounced right back open and Mark just walked away from it. Like when you were in high school, would you ever leave your locker open? No. I was so yeah, paranoid no, about my locker that I, I basically kept all of my stuff in a classroom in a cubby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like you might have like a discman in there or something like that. Like you have stuff in your locker that you don't want people to take or to mess with or anything like that. You don't just leave it like swinging open. So yeah, that that bothered me. It it, um, it made me kind of sad that Mark had that sort of lack of disrespect for his belongings. Well, then there's the C plot of when you know one of the uh, one of the bad boys in school takes a whole kilo of cocaine and hides it in Mark's locker, and then the drug sniffing <laughs> dogs feel like it's that Mark Winkle guy. It was a pretty it was a pretty creative way to get him out of uh, appearing in season four due to uh, scheduling uh, commitments. <laughs> what was he in? <laughs> No one became famous from that. They didn't get him on the um, the the whatchamacallit show, the the Jimmy Fallon. He wasn't on Jimmy Fallon. Well, he was too busy uh, producing. He's uh, producing, producing what, you might ask? Oh, he's producing some things. Good old Aaron Jackson. He uh, he produced... <laughs> this, this made me giggle a lot earlier tonight when I was looking this up. He is producing a film or a short film called The Hotel Purg. Not purge, because purg is spelled P-U-R-G and is very large on it, so it looks like it's a purge poster that's like cropped incorrectly. Uh, but yeah, it's called the Hotel Purg. Uh, that's what he's Purgatory, up to. Purgatory, I'm guessing. Probably, I would assume. But yeah, it's just it's really funny because it just it everything about it just says purge. Has he produced but, anything yeah. like notable? <sighs> uh, lots of shorts. Lots of shorts. So um, he has no money. I mean, probably not. I mean, he's doing a lot, though. Like, in 2018 alone, it looks like he produced five shorts. Okay. Like, was this for, like, uh, like uh, Wolfens? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're not, like, any name things or anything like that, but that's a hell of a lot more than I did last year, so. Right. Yeah. Good on him. I mean, you were busy with your podcast, so. <laughs> God, imagine if any of these people had a podcast. I would definitely listen to any of these individuals if they had a podcast. Um, I would listen to Michael Cade's uh, California Dreams podcast called Baboom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a catchphrase. Baboom. <clears throat> that would be so good if he... like That, that kind of makes sense since he is the screech of this show that he would be the one who kind of tried to milk the fame for all it was worth. Uh, yeah, and that... I, I like that. I, I would I would like for him to be a, a podcast host. I would listen to that. Well, I remember when um, Nikki Cox was uh, Sly's girlfriend for a while. She played the blind girl. <laughs> My God. <sighs> and like the whole. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> the whole point was that like she was this gorgeous woman who didn't know she was gorgeous or a Playboy model. Because <laughs> yeah, Nikki Cox was a Playboy model. Um and like she what was it like an entire season before he ended up with Lorena he was with this blind girl played by Nikki Cox for at least six episodes and then she just disappeared and the whole point was she loved him for him not you know 
what he looked like. But, you know, she could still see his personality. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, loving him for him is, is that must mean that she's a scumbag if she's into that. Yeah, I mean, I remember that episode very vividly in this. That episode and this episode were the two that stuck in my head because, like, I love the... As soon as he becomes addicted to cigarettes, he spent an afternoon, I guess, chain-smoking with Uncle Big Ragu, um, (laughs) Uncle Andrew Dice Clay, because, like, Eddie Mecca is just doing the worst Andrew Dice Clay impression. You're like, whoa, hey, hickory dickory nephew. So I would I would counter that. I would say it's the second worst Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, the worst Andrew Dice Clay is by Andrew Dice Clay. I was just about. <laughs> no one is worse than Andrew Dice Clay, except in Blue yeah. The only thing except what in Blue Jasmine and The Star Is Born, he's pretty good there. Oh, okay. I was gonna say um, uh, Ford Farlane was weirdly enjoyable in a, in a horrible, horrible kind of way. I, I almost said Harley Davidson in the Marlboro Man, but that was Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Again. Another great person that we could have introduced to this. Hey, it's my Uncle Mickey Rourke. Hey, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so here, here's a fun little exercise. Okay. If we're gonna if we're gonna cast a um, like a one-off NBC Saturday morning uh, reunion movie for California Dreams, however, since everyone involved in the show has gone on to have such massive careers, we can't afford any of them anymore. Who would you cast? Uh, as as let's say Jake, start with Jake. Who would you cast from today's from today's acting pool that would be age appropriate for Jake? Probably, yeah. um, hmm, probably KJ Appa from <laughs> Riverdale. Yeah, <laughs> who unfortunately I share a birthday with. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah, on the topic of sharing birthdays with people. Um, all right, cool. Uh, how about uh, how about Sly? Uh, God damn, I can't believe I'm doing another Riverdale, but probably Cole Sprouse. <laughs> Cole Sprouse would be a great Sly Winkle. Um, I have the right, perfect uh, Mark Mark Winkle. Um, I would cast. Oh, did you, you did you see Booksmart? Yes. Um, the guy who played Jared. Um, Skyler. God, I can never pronounce his last name. Um, I don't want to destroy it, but Skylar. Oh yeah, Gisando. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Skylar Gisando. Skylar Gisando, Gisando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Uh, what about um, the? I'm into it. So what's funny about that though is I was referring to it as like a um, as like a reunion movie. And I was kind of thinking in my head that they would be like older, like in their forties. Oh, okay. The name, well, we can do it that way. You're giving me are so good. If we just aged them up very poorly, like it was community theater, <laughs> just put like <laughs> little bits of white makeup under their cheeks. On honestly, you can easily do this for the California <laughs> Dreams. Just take the cast of it, Chapter Two. <laughs> We need to. We have a couple of people that are missing. Like we don't have Sam. Aquafina. <laughs> Jesus. Well, Again, want, ages mean nothing. Apparently. <laughs> Who would you pick? Um. What is the actress's name? Uh, she was in. 
crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Wu. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. <laughs> She's a little too old. Is she? She's like sixty. <laughs> no oh yeah yeah she's 57 okay she might be a little too old for the dreams but i mean we can age her down since we're aging everyone else up it doesn't matter rules are apparently out the window at this point <laughs> i like That's the cool. idea so we got of a bad of, community we got, <laughs> we got a bunch of riverdale and we got michelle yo who else do we have for this reboot who, who you got for lorena gal Gadot. Sure. Cool. And uh, cool. <laughs> we need a uh, Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany. Um, yeah, again, since nothing means anything anymore, we could just have the actual Tiffany play her, the singer-songwriter from the 80s. Or Debbie Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So Debbie Gibson is Tiffany. And then uh, did you ever see the um, the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret? Yeah. The dude that played Alice's ex-boyfriend, the Canadian music video director, I want him for Tony. So we'll just blatantly have a British dude uh, playing Tony. Like, or a dude with a British accent, anyway. Get like David O. Yellow. <laughs> and just, yeah, he won't he won't ever address the accent. He'll just say he's from South Central like, like Tony is. <laughs> I'm from South Central Los Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in the in God the episode, damn, who, who do we find with millions of dollars? Because <laughs> we we are on fire right now, and this is this is a license to print money. We just need to find someone to bankroll this. We we want three children, <laughs> a postmenopausal <Michelle>, woman. <laughs> Tiffany, I mean Debbie Gibson. Another postmenopausal woman. <laughs> and that guy from uh, Todd Margaret. You know, no, 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 not David Cross. No, not Will Arnett. <laughs> no, not the guy from Inbetweeners. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> if he's not available, we want Oscar nominee Chiwetella J. May I suggest a title for this? California Dreams, colon. <laughs> Still dreaming. Chasing the dream. <laughs> Chasing, though. Is, like, you gotta have an apostrophe in there. <laughs> yeah. And they just have Macho up at the end, and it's Donny Osmond. <laughs> hey, guys, remember me from the first season? No? No. All right. No. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love when, like, Jank and his uncle are working on the car and uh, on the bike and they're sharing a moment over a cigarette. <laughs> Those cigarettes oh, yeah, yeah, were yeah. clearly not lit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say too, a weird thing about the, uh, the cigarettes that they were smoking is so I'm, I'm a musician. I've played in bands and stuff my entire life. I've been around a lot of people smoking cigarettes and I have never in my entire life seen a cigarette emit that much smoke like every time they took a drag it was like a smoke bomb went off in the room well they and, had like, to they put had, a like, ton Luigi of baby from powder Luigi's mansion 
Yeah, I just like to imagine that they had Luigi from Luigi's Mansion off the side of the stage, just like sucking away like the excess smoke so you could actually see their faces. It's like that sketch from SNL with a uh, uh, Bill Hader as uh, the Italian talk show host. And he, yes. he gets his producers and they're chain smoking in the corner and there's nothing but, you know, a pile of <laughs> Oh, so um, one random uh, observation I made about Jake. Um, do you think he runs a little cool? Because throughout this entire episode, for someone who lives in Southern California, he's wearing a lot of layers. Like yeah. everyone's talking about going to the beach, and he's like, he's got at least two shirts on, like a t- like a t-shirt. He's got like a button-up over it, and then he's got his leather jacket on top of that. Yeah. Like I just worry that he might have. Yeah, he had a t-shirt. He had a cardigan, and he had a leather jacket. Yeah, I just worry that he might have, like, bad circulation or something. And that's, I mean, I, I get that from time to time. And it's not something you want to let go too long unchecked. <laughs> he just turns at the end and he does uh, what you think is going to pe- be a PSA on cancer awareness. And he's like, talk to your family <laughs> <laughs> about Raynoid's disease. <laughs> oh, God, how great would that be if they, like, pulled a complete 180? Or if, if like, the theme of the benefit at the end was not smoking, but, like, honesty and, like, not stealing $500 from a puzzle box that you find in the beach. I think the episode should have ended with uh, Pinhead just showing up and murdering them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never made, made it all the way through the, uh, the original Hellraiser because I always get bored and turn it off. But uh, I get to that point where there's, like, a dude, like, whose, like, body has been turned into, like, a door or something. Like, he's, like, put in some, like, horrible, horrible, like, mutilation type thing. And I kind of feel like Sly is the most likely candidate of uh, this show to end up in, like, a horrible pinhead sort of scenario. I was just thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how it goes out. (laughs) Ba-boom. He died doing what he loves. Being an asshole. Screwing with some sort of... (laughs) <laughs> Cynobite or whatever the hell he is. Honestly, Sly is the, the type of person, I'm surprised they didn't do an episode where you find out that they hear a rumor that a student is having an affair with a teacher. He's the type <laughs> of guy to be the one having the affair with the teacher. Yeah, and like obviously not thinking it's fucked up or anything. Like He'd just turn around and be like, hey guys, this is really cool, huh? Aren't I a stud? And like not understanding that he's actually involved in something like really, really messed up. Yeah, dude, you're 16 years old, and she's 45. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah, yeah, do you like the song Stacy's Mom? I like that song. No, she's going to prison. (laughs) And you're going to counseling, like a lot of it. Like, you're going to be messed up, man. (laughs) Do you think that Sly is the type of guy when he's having sex just screams Babu? (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. Babu. Yeah, he yells ba-boom when climaxing and then immediately starts crying. (laughs) Why doesn't any of my friends like me? (sighs) And Mark's like in the corner. He's like, I like you. You shut up. Wait, were you here the whole time? (laughs) You have to. You're my cousin. Wait, were you here the whole time? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Oh god, I was I was gonna get dark with that and decided not to. Um, yeah, I, I I really appreciated the stop smoking benefit at the end. Um, I liked that um, they did raise more than five hundred dollars, which actually tracks for that period of time because um, 
I played in a couple of benefit concerts in high school, and like it was weird because at that point in time, like by playing a concert, you could actually raise money. Uh, and yeah, like that was like a totally feasible, realistic sort of thing. Um, not that they had like a full house or anything like that, but that they actually raised some money for a charity. That was, that was cool. cool. Yeah. But then you have to create like a fake charity. So all the money goes to you. Cause that's how it will work in Sly's world. Like, so all the money would go to you, <laughs> you, the Brown foundation. <laughs> Wait, yeah, your last I, name I, I is Brown. <laughs> no, it's for people who shit their pants. <laughs> yeah, I could see Sly saying like, "Oh yeah, it's all going to the American Cancer Society," but like that's actually like a really long acronym for something <laughs> for Sly Winkle. Yeah. Oh, it's for uh, the society looking your. Wait, this spells Sly. N- no, it doesn't. <laughs> the society looking your wayward, incremental, non-negotiable. Cancer with a K, leukemia with an L, <laughs> excursion. Wait, that spells Sly Winkle. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, weird. What a coincidence. Thanks for your donation. Well, I love how, like, once again, when we talked about Small Wonder, there's no, like, gray area with, with his uncle getting cancer. It's, it's not like, oh, well, you know, I've been coughing a lot. I coughed up some blood. But they caught it soon enough it's no i'm dying jakey hey look i I woke up this morning and i coughed up a little blood what yeah i got a little freaked out myself so i went to see a doctor you know my my first checkup in 20 years you know they still keep those stethoscopes really cold Uh uh-huh very funny what do you say well he took some uh some stupid x-rays and yeah Said it, uh, said it looks like, um, lung cancer. Well, if, if there's one thing I gotta say about Uncle Stereotype, it seems like he has lived a very tough life. Um, I don't imagine that this gentleman ever took a day off from any of his vices, um, at any point in his life. He didn't seem to. I mean, look at that cough that he had right at the beginning there. I mean, you could tell it, it, it had already caught up with him. I can't take a day off from going to the strip club. Those ladies are dependent on my dollar bills. <laughs> I did like that really shitty joke um, where he was like, oh, I, I got to take a break from this. I can't keep thinking about bikes all day. I'm going to go watch TV. What are you watching? And then he's like some motorcycle show. He said motocross. Motocross, yeah. I'm going to go watch Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> I think your dad left Skinamax unlocked. Well, it was really weird that his uncle bought him his first uh, leather jacket when he was a little boy. And it said, Born yeah, to Dr- yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I did not uh, care for that. Uh, also, it was weird that he kept it. Yeah. I mean, why? <laughs> why would you keep that? I mean, yeah, I understand the concept of uh, sentimental items, but um, an article of clothing is uh, is not that. Well, I guess the moon hit his eye like a big pizza pie. That's the big ragu. <laughs> I love how Eddie Mecca was like the special guest star. So they're like, tune into California Dreams on Saturday morning with special guest star Eddie Mecca. Yeah, that's that's pretty insane. 
um, I, I like the idea of using like that level of celebrity as a selling point, which is it's done all the time. Like when you see like Worst Cooks in America Celebrity Edition or something like that on Food Network, and you see like Florence Henderson as like one of the people on it, as at least like one Brady is on there. Like it, it's insane the level of celebrity that people try to pass off. Well, that's really weird because Florence Henderson's been dead for five years. Hasn't been five, because I think she was on, if not last summer, the summer before, because I watched that season. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was shortly before she died, but uh, Barry Williams was on another season, so we've got at least two Bradys in there. Well, that'd be really funny. I'm sorry, Florence, you're going home. <laughs> ah. Oh, she's dead. I want to Nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, she, was, she was crazy during it, too, because she was like... Um, I don't want to say super horny, but she was super horny during it and was like kind of like coming on to like the all the, the male contestants throughout it. It was pretty great, actually. How many California Dreams were on? <laughs> uh, they're, I mean, they're, they can't afford them. I just, I just love that in this episode, it just gets so dark right away. It's like there's no hope for Uncle Big Ragu. Um, He's like, I'm dying, Jakey. I'm dying. And then, um, I mean, before we even got to that scene, he had to leave being with his friends because they were trying to get him to quit cold turkey. And he's like, I can't take this. You guys are assholes. I'm going to go smoke with my uncle. I'm so upset I need a smoke, is what he said. Yeah, this this is when... So this, I had a problem with this part because this is when he asked his friends genuinely, he said, guys, I can't quit. I need your help. And their response to this was, oh, okay, we know just what to do. And they sat him down in an empty school classroom, showed him like a 30-second video uh, about lung cancer, and then just said like, now do you want to quit? And it's like, that's not help. Like you're not providing your friend with any actual assistance or like emotional support in this. You're just showing him something he already saw in health class. What if they just showed that commercial from Say by the Bell that they made? Here, watch this. Oh, my God. Hi, I'm Brand- Brandon Tartikoff. <laughs> it would be great, too, if they showed that entire thing. And then it went into that scene where uh, Brandon Tartikoff was, like, talking about, like, what about a show about a bunch of teenagers and their principal? Nah, it would never work from that episode. So they show the commercial, then that one scene, and then it goes back to California Dreams. And they act as if they never saw that last bit. <laughs> well, I love when... um they did the California dreams on Jimmy Fallon and Mr. Belding showed up and he's like, Hey, remember my catchphrase from California dreams? Hey, 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 what is going on here? California dreams. <laughs> yeah. Dennis Haskins. Uh, I gotta say he, he seems to have a good sense of humor about things. So I, I appreciate seeing him show up places, but I heard he's also like kind of a creep. Like I, I haven't heard that. Um, I do know that he has severed ties with uh, Dustin diamond. And he was pretty broken up about it at the time, actually, because the two of them were the kind of the, the torchbearers for Saved by the Bell. So they had gotten pretty tight over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And he, he's just pretty disappointed in Dustin Diamond. And yeah, he was he was sad that their uh, their relationship came to an end. I have to send you the interview that Mario Lopez did with Dustin Diamond for Extra. And he's interviewing Dustin Diamond like he's never met him before. Like he's a real journalist. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not too far off. Like, I don't think he probably spent a lot of time with him. It's really weird. I got to send you the interview. It's really fucked up. But uh, I just love in this episode where um, 
where Jake is just like so upset and he um, is upset. What He doesn't understand why his friends don't want him to smoke. So he lies to them by uh, using mouthwash and... Uh, oh, and old... Yeah, and Old Spice, yeah. Yeah, Lorena sees right through that shit. Because <laughs> Lorena is a badass. <laughs> yeah, she's... Um, I would say that she and Tiffany are probably the... And Mark. No, not Mark. Mark's an idiot. Uh, those two are probably the only likable characters, I think. Uh, I like Tony. From, from this show. Tony's fine. Tony didn't do anything wrong. And actually, neither did Sam. Uh, basically, mo- all, all the guys except for uh, Tony are assholes. That's, that's basically what it boils down to. <laughs> Tony had the funniest line because um, he's doing all of the, they're like, yeah, you can't do that. And he's like, yeah, we know, or we will, we will. And then Lorena's like, yeah, no more kisses. And he, she's like, yeah, for her. Oh, yeah. yeah, and as long as you smoke, we don't want to rehearse with you anymore. That's right. Or hang out with you anymore. That's right. Or kiss you anymore. That's <laughs> That's, that's really her call, not mine. That's her call. <laughs> yeah, Tony, uh, I actually, I, I like that actor. Uh, I think he's got some pretty good comedic timing and, and whatnot. And he was one of the ones that um, was in something else that I actually recognized afterwards. Not USA a big thing, but uh, USA High, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, I wanted to ask you your opinion on that. Um, not about the show itself or anything like that, but do you think that it was sold to the USA Network largely because of its title. Oh hell yeah! Okay. Oh yeah. Just, just making sure. Like it probably was pitched as something else, and then they're like, "Could you call it USA High?" <laughs> we'll play it before Silk Stockings. Be- because like it shouldn't have been called USA High. It should have been called like Brixton High because it takes place in London. Yeah, it was supposed to be like an American school, though. Correct. For like four kids, <laughs> because like <laughs> one 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 kid is German, the other one's British, and then I mean, but those four kids—that's that is like three less than the graduating class of Bayside. Like that's that's that is that's a school's worth of children, if you ask me. <laughs> well, I love how Tony from um from California Dreams replaced the kid who was Pockets. And Hook, James Madio. Oh, interesting. Who was in Hook as uh, the one lost boy who dressed like a used car salesman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James Madio. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that proves that California Dreams is better than Hook, which is blasphemy. No, I mean that's that's the kind of math that I live my life by. Honestly, uh, it, it, depending on how you look at things, anything can be better than anything else. For a good chunk of time, I sincerely thought that corn was better than Weird Al. Uh, <laughs> but well, that's the end of the think... podcast. Good night, everybody. <laughs> and uh, no, it was uh, it was specifically in like 2000, and I was like, they have like over a good song per album. So by ratio, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! But like, I I still don't understand in this episode how like. They, they treat him like such shit. They treat Jake like the piece of shit he is. But like they're like, we're not going to be your friend no more. As if you... um, You're going to smoke. We're not going to be your friend. Yeah, you're not our friend anymore. And he's like, come on, guys. I want to be your friend. Yeah, I mean, he, he whines about it and then does nothing about it. And then complains when they do. 
make a half-assed attempt to help him, which is not really helping him, as I mentioned before. What was interesting to me, though, is that they, I mean, obviously, like, it was part of a gag where Sly was like, oh, yeah, they're not going to be mad at me because they expect this from me, but you, Mark, they're going to be mad at you. Uh, and then that is what happened. But they, the gang wasn't really mad at either of them for blowing the $500. Like, that was nothing to them. They're just like, oh, well, it's $500. Yeah, I mean, what I really wish they pulled an Empire Records and they went to Atlantic City or they went to like Las Vegas <laughs> and they played craps and they lost. <laughs> I'm just imagining Sly narrating it as he and Mark are driving out there. I was out about Barstow when the ether took hold. <laughs> this episode is just so cliche. They do that that thing that we talked about in the Bobby's World episode where they introduce a person we've never met before, then they kill him off, and we're supposed to be sad that this person who we never met before. Like, I understand on Full House, when they killed off Papui, we met him at least twice before. We met him at um, at the Greek family reunion, and then we met him at uh, again at Becky and Jesse's wedding. So you know what? I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out on a limb here, and I'm gonna defend this episode. Um, I, I I see what you're getting at, and it totally makes sense to me. But I don't think that they're actually trying to look for sympathy for Uncle Stereotype. I think that they're actually trying to get sympathy for uh, Jake out of this more than anything, and showing basically giving him a reason to a start smoking show that it is possible to start doing a, a drug under like a, you know, a seemingly innocent enough pretense. And then it, he can learn a lesson about it in the process. And it's one that's not an easy lesson to learn. I think that I, I don't think that they were throwing out uncle stereotype just to kill him off to get like boohoo's out of it. I think that they were actually trying to use him as a vehicle for Jake to kind of express what was going on. I agree. Or am I reading too it's deep just, into this? It's so stupid. Like, Jake Jake is the one person that you, like, don't really want to feel bad for because he has it all. He has a motorcycle and a leather jacket. And a hot girlfriend. Like, he's got everything. He's never had to want for anything. He's had a guitar, a hot girlfriend, and a motorcycle and a leather jacket. Well, you know what he's got to want for? The gas station he's going to be working at in the future. An uncle. <laughs> <laughs> well don't worry don't worry jake your uncle squicky is gonna take care of you hello jake <laughs> he's not my real uncle i don't want him to take care of me what about me your uncle lenny <laughs> is, is that michael mckean yeah they even had a hit song from uh laverne and Shirley, uh uh before the night before it's about uh two nights in a row <laughs> As we come to the end, how many bagels are left in your bagel basket for this episode? Whew. Okay. That is tough. Are we talking Baker's Dozen? Baker's Dozen. One being shit, 13 being great. So, I'm going to give this a 7.5. And my, my thinking behind that is that, and my rationale for that is that this isn't a good show. This is a very fun show. This is, if you're looking to kill 30 minutes when you're waking up on a Sunday morning or 
Uh, you want something on in the background while you're trying to do something more important. Like California Dreams, similar to Say by the Bell, is perfect for that. It's not as good as Say by the Bell. Like it doesn't have like actual memorable storylines, but it's a fun show. It's a really fun show. And the only reason that I dinged this, because I, otherwise I probably would have given it like an 8.5 or 9, um, is because it's a very special episode. And anytime you have one of that, that takes away from the actual story content quite a bit, I think, because they do it in such a ham-fisted manner. Uh, and this episode is no exception to that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with a 7.5. And I'm going to do 7 because there's 7 California dreams. <laughs> that is my logic. Uh, who corresponds to which sin? Because obviously that is what the writers intended. Well, um, Lorena is clearly lust. You say clearly. Uh, what's going on over there? What are you thinking? Because the entire episode, she's just trying to get banged by Jake. Like she keeps showing up and she's like, I'm here to help. Ooh, let me give you a kiss. Like she's super horny. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Sly is also lost because he is horny too. <laughs> Jake is lost. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lorraine is lost. Sly's gluttony. No, he's greed. I would say slight. He's greed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony's gluttony. Um, Jake is clearly wrath. <laughs> I must avenge Uncle Stereotype. Uh, I'm. Uh, help me out with the rest of them, because Sam. I don't know what she would be. Envy. Sam Tiffany. Sam was Sam Wu. Mark, Tiffany, and Sam are left. Oh, and Tony. We got four sins. Because we got... I thought, you said to- I thought you said Tony was gluttony. Oh, Tony is gluttony. Okay, we have three sins left. Yeah, yeah. So- well, it depends, because you- you've doubled up on lust for like four of them, so... I was joking. No, but Lorena's <laughs> lust, Jake's wrath, Sly's greed... Tony's gluttony. I, I'd say Mark is envy. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. He's the side man, but wants to be out front. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Sam or Tiffany would be. Yeah, we've got like sloth, and uh, and what else do we have? Oh, um, is it pride? Oh, um, Tiffany's definitely pride. Yeah, Tiffany's pride. So that means that uh, Sam is sloth. Which, well, that goes with I gluttony. So I, I don't know if that. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but sure. So we've come to the end of the episode. Would you like to plug your podcast and any projects you are working on? Sure. Yeah. Um, I have uh, two podcasts. One is currently on a season break because two of the hosts uh, have recently had or are soon having children. Uh, it's called Nickelbacken, and then uh, my other podcast that is ongoing is called Old Men Yell at Cloud, and it is uh, me and two friends. We listen to an album on vinyl, and uh, we discuss it, if we can stay on track long enough. So, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This has been great. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at WRTR B-A-G-E-L-B-S-K-T Like us on uh, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, email us writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. And remember that uh, if you have show ideas, please send them in or tweet at us. And um, once again, Christopher, thank you for being here. 
I'm not going to call me. I'm not going to call you Chris because of Chris Brown. No, you can call me Chris. That's fine. Just don't make a Chris Brown joke as soon as you meet me, and uh, and I won't call you a cunt. <laughs> Why don't I do what they did to Charlie Brown and uh, the the adult version of the play of uh, Dog Finds God? <laughs> they just called him CB. <laughs> 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 hey, CB. I, thought, I thought that was going to go somewhere way worse when you were like in the adult version of the play <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, until next time good I- grief <laughs> <laughs> once again thank you Chris for being here <laughs> thanks uh, until next time I'm Scott Curlin bye everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands. Who cares about up against the wall by the fruit <laughs> trees? Like, where's the dragon? Inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with Navy Seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Boobies Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. You can also support Boobies and Newbies on Patreon.com for lots of bonus booby content and early episode releases. are bombing all over the country. They are posing as movies you already know. They may be in your theaters, your neighbor's home, or even your own. Why are you doing that voice? I don't know. (coughs) I thought it made me sound cool. It doesn't. I'm Jason Bishop, host of the Invasion of the Remake podcast with co-hosts Sam Stepanenko and Trish Coughlin. Join us each week as we rotate talking about your favorite films and their not-so-favorite remakes. We'll also dig deep to find forgotten films that we think are more worthy of remaking, complete with our own fantasy casting. You can get all 130 episodes and counting on... Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Radio Player FM, and all the best podcast providers, even freaking YouTube. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing, join the invasion. Subscribe today. Or we'll blow up your planet. Hi, this is Tony, the host of the Flix X Raid podcast. Each week, I am joined by guests. Hello. Yo. Why, hello there. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. And we have a roundtable discussion where we dig deep and x-ray a bunch of our favorite films and some really terrible ones, too. We really like to go back and take a look at films that may be forgotten, maybe in the past, and still lovable films. If you want, you can follow us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. If you want to find out more, you can find us online at www.flixxray.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to reach out to us. Good night, Internet.